Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. This is Taylor Morgan. Taylor Morgan, I'm here with my co-host today, Leah Murray, filling in for Boyd Matheson. Really quickly, by way of introduction, uh, we didn't have a chance to hit this in the first segment, Leah, because we have had big news coming fast. Uh, we've had full segments here, but I want to take just a quick moment. I'll introduce myself. Uh, okay. Again, Taylor Morgan. I'm a partner at Morgan May Public Affairs. I do political consulting, candidate consulting, and uh, lobbying at the Utah Legislature. Right, and I am a political science professor, as you said earlier. What did you say? Liberal politics. I called professor. you names in the <laughs> yeah, first segment. Did. It I was, was very. I mean. was trying to set you but up. But it's to fail. okay. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. I'm winning anyway. <laughs> oh yes, you <laughs> so, always do. Um, yeah. And director up at the Walker Institute at Weber State University. Oh, fascinating! Named after former Utah Governor Olean Walker. That is correct. That's wonderful. Well, okay. Now that you know us, listeners, welcome back to the conversation. We are going to get right into this segment. We are going to cover. Uh, what's happening in Iran. Uh, Mass protests have been rocking Iran over the last few months. The Ayatollah regime has responded with fierce crackdowns against protesters there. Uh, This all began with the death of a 22-year-old Iranian male who died in the custody of Iran's morality police after being apprehended for improperly wearing, sorry, her hijab. Right. Well, I was going to say it was a woman, not a yes. man. Yes. I yeah. meant to say her, a woman, her, of course. Her, her. Yes. Right, right. And as you can hear there, listeners, we have with us now an expert uh, to, to join the show and fill us in on the details. Uh, Amos Giora is now joining KSL to, to fill us in on what's happening in Iran. Uh, Amos Giora is an Israeli-American professor of law at the S.J. Quinney College of Law at the University of Utah. Professor Giora, thank you for joining the show. What did, what else did I get wrong there? Fill us in. No, you're off to a good start until you got the genders up. That's, <laughs> well, that's kind of a key piece of the story. Right. So. Well, just, <laughs> what I was going to say, first of all, I have to begin with the following way. I want to wish Boyd the best of health. As I told his, uh, his assistant, if he doesn't get better right quick, I'll kick him in the rear end. I want to put that out there. Oh, I like that. Um, right on live radio. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Absolutely. No holds barred. They're lost. So there's no doubt that if you want to talk about courage and bravery, two words that we use way too often. So, uh, the woman, obviously, who was killed 
And then the women subsequent to that who have taken to the streets and the demonstrators who have joined them, they get, um, I hate these terms, but they really do get the, the gold star for bravery and courage. It is a horrific regime. It is a no-holds-barred regime. And I remember, I think, with one of my earlier conversations with Boyd, I said, you know, pick your poison. If you're demonstrating, do you want to die demonstrating or do you want to be detained? You know, pick your poison. These are people, when they demonstrate, they know the fate that awaits them. And in spite of that, they clearly have a, as much as possible in this complicated world, galvanized the world's interest. That's one. Two, they have brought front and center the issue of women's rights in, in these kinds of horrific regimes. And three, they clearly have had an impact because whether or not the regime goes through with this report yesterday, today, of closing, shutting down, tweaking the morality police, whether they do that or not is actually not important. What is important is they have they are being forced to acknowledge the impact both domestically and internationally of these women. It's remarkable. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. So I'm reading, so right, I had heard first the morality police were done, and then I heard maybe that was too fast, that that really wasn't true. But now I'm reading off of CNN's kind of wire that the they are reviewing the mandatory hijab law. So you're right, right? Like whatever's happening that's clearly having an impact. But can you talk to us about which one of these things is really happening or is it just in such flux and that's why we're getting conflicting yeah. stories? I, I think your word flux is, is, is correct. I think, first of all, one always has to, with these kinds of regimes, one has to read between the tea leaves, right? And, and I remind you that, that they're speaking Farsi to each other, and someone's translating from Farsi into English. You know, when you translate, we could have an endlessly long discussion about, call it the, the psychology of the translator. There's a long discussion about that, too. Does the translator put a spin on it in a way that, that's convenient? And when the report is issued to the, to the Western media, is it put in such a way that is more to go, um, uh, amenable to Western ears? One has to be careful with that. But, 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 the mere fact that whatever, on whatever level they're considering uh, doing away with the hijab and whatever level they're thinking about doing away with the morality police, the mere fact that they're acknowledging this, that is beyond remarkable. You know, those of us who who live here, as you said, you know, in your gracious introduction, I commute between Salt Lake and Jerusalem. So those of us who live, you know, in, in this crazy part of the world called the Middle East, where the issue of women's rights and the hijab and so on and so on, we could spend hours talking about this. This is an essential part of regimes like that. And the fact that they, are, they through, these press, through these press statements, are acknowledging the need to acknowledge um, the impact that in and of itself is remarkable. Full stop. How will it play out? How will itself? How will it play itself out in the days, weeks, months ahead? Who knows? But this is um, for somebody who watches the Iranian regime pretty carefully. This is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, certainly is. 
so I, this again goes to the question, right? To my Western ears, is this just another isolated incident, or is there really something uh, new? Has has a, a force or a public opinion? Have mm-hmm. citizens are they galvanizing now in a way that is? meaningful for the long term because they're they're doing this in the face of uh serious opposition right the the parliament my understanding is the the parliament there voted to execute over 10,000 pro- protesters yet it carries on i tell you a couple of things one social media seems to be impactful even in a place like iran but they're able to use this and that's you know I don't think the regime was quite prepared for that. Two, I remind you that when Clinton was president, there was the so-called Green Revolution, which was when students took to the streets in Tehran. Mm. And the students then expected that President Clinton would do something, because from their, whatever, the, whatever something means. Because from their perspective, they had understood from him that he would do something. Mm. And I was in a debate 20 or 15 years ago with the, um, a former um, demonstrator who had achieved some prominence, and he was outraged by by what he felt to be Clinton's uh, weakness in the critical moment. These women don't seem to be waiting for President Biden or for uh, Macron from France or from anybody else. They, I think, feel sufficiently a angry and be sufficiently emboldened that they don't need the support of of, of Biden, Macron, or or anybody else. That's a major change, but yeah. full stop. Yeah, that's significant. One also needs to remember that there's some complicated geopolitics here in the Middle East. Um, you know, there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine. Why is that important in this? Because the Russians are using Iranian drones. So the fact that Russia and Iran have some kind of a relationship, the last thing the Russians can tolerate at the moment is a weakened Iranian regime. Could the women, the women demonstrating weaken the regime? Yes. Is that something that Russia can tolerate? No. So as much as one wants to, you know, cheer on these women, one also must understand the limits of geopolitics, particularly in the broader context. Yeah. Amos Giora, professor uh, of law at the S.J. Quinney College of Law at the University of Utah. Thank you so much for joining us to fill us in on the developing situation. Thanks for having me. So up next, let's go even more local. We're going to go micro local. Let's talk about ranked choice voting in Utah after the break. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.